0: to frivolous gravitas the podcast of substantive conversations you're listening to the painfully uh deep-throated christopher driver today sorry my uh my voice is still missing but one day i'm sure i'll find it
1: it does sound like it's getting better so no it's just it's totally not <laughs> well you know like marginally
0: it's been over a month now like non-stop but anyway we'll power through it such as our love for you our our listeners and viewers alike just but um with me is the always philanthropic and benevolent mr jordan roy i'm christopher driver and today we're going to be talking about charity Um, the subject is obviously a wide sprawling one but uh we'll start with some definitions of terms basically uh the easiest and simplest definition i came across was just from google and it says, an organization set up to provide help and raise money for those in need, which I think pretty much everybody can agree that's the whole meaning of the word charity is just to help the needy. I
1: and think that's the organizational, but charity can also be a verb, being the act of charity, giving to another.
0: Yeah, and I think we'll talk about both. Yeah. The organization's obviously going to be flawed, but so is the act of giving just for the sake of self infatuation. Yeah. So,
1: it's on every level it can be a bit it seems so like i think the thing is is that with charity a lot of times you're the the basis of it is i'm doing a good act and if you're doing lots of good acts at once you can form an organization that can do larger good acts and i think
0: so maybe just to start off we'll start off at the individual level and then from that, we'll graduate to the, the larger organizational group level, because I think the motivations are very similar, but um, the benefactors are very different. So it's probably mm. easiest to start at a personal level and then just graduate up from there. So in my view or my estimation, most people's views, but obviously I'm not most people, so I can't speak for everybody. But in my view, the the prevailing winds of charity are force. um for like self-gratification a lot of the time um, or religious beliefs. So a lot of charity has been promoted and pushed through uh, religious scriptures, doctrines and so on. Um, Doesn't really matter which faith you subscribe to or denomination or creed. They all sort of have the same type of view towards uh, benevolence. And that's like a social function evolved, in my opinion. Um, That's just beneficial for the entire group because people are most uh, likely to pass on their genes and succeed in in the evolutionary Darwinian sense of success when people cooperate and work together. Mm -hmm. And cooperation and working together means that oftentimes you don't have to necessarily see the benefit directly in front of you to know a long-term benefit is being sustained. And one of the reasons i think for charity even for being charitable towards people who may not be contributing as much to the economy of a society might be the general um the the general points of view or like the, the feeling or the the sentiment towards giving to people from your community or or abroad for that matter just because it sort of demonstrates some type of quality of moral character or moral fiber from within a group in a community so it's not necessarily that the charity is there just to make sure that this person becomes more productive to help everybody out helping people who don't contribute whatsoever is still helpful because it it raises morale for the entire group first of all right and second of all it lessens the harm of the people who care about those unproductive people who receive the charity because those people can then become more productive and benevolent themselves, knowing that the group has their family member or their loved one in their hearts and minds.
1: Okay. Uh, you you covered a lot of bases there. So <laughs> what I know. happens
0: when you let me speak,
1: <laughs> my notes, I uh, couldn't keep up. So there's, where do I want to start though? Where can we unpack? Like the individual doing it, there's, I I can see like, there's a couple reasons why they would do it. Um, And you covered on a couple of them. But at the base of it, it seems that when you have people engaging in, say, just a fair exchange, you know, I'm going to help you bring in the harvest or pitch the bay hails or hay bales. and uh, But that's not charity. I'm getting something out of it. Um, there is, you know, you're paying me and I'm doing the work There's a fair exchange. Um, <clears throat> so charity often comes with this um element of uh sacrifice to it and it's not a new thing at all cuz you see it in a lot of um in a lot of religions which you did bring up and i think it's worth getting into that cuz that's kind of where um it originally came from you see it heavily in um in my mind, I specifically remember Christianity and Hinduism. Hinduism, where the act of charity was an act of karma, and therefore you know should be celebrated. You are doing something uh, karmically, and then everyone can share in it if they, you know, um, celebrate the charity. So, acts of charity are encouraged to an extent. Whereas in Christianity charity well we it's probably but we better we know better because of our proximity to Christianity a bit is that you know um, the teachings of Jesus say you know be charitable well I don't know the exact quote I'm sure one of you guys can come up with it Um, but there's an element of you know help others do unto others Um, if you were starving you'd want someone to give you food that kind of thing and but there is also this metaphysical kind of um reward to it but in christianity if you make light of the metaphysical reward then that's self-serving and therefore you already lose um so you kind of need to be more like saint francis saint francis of assisi you know that kind of thing renunciate and um give to charity this is wrapped up a lot in the what would jesus do but then it keeps maybe it's just my modern mind but i doubt it is that um there still seems to be a give and take there. It's not just, I mean, this poor person's, um, this poor person's starving, right? What do I do about it? I can give them food. I can give them money. I can get, I can give them whether or not what I think they're going to do with it. Um, I guess one of the questions is, does it matter if I give them money? if that's going to reflect on me metaphysically, or um, if there's people there, does it change the equation? I think let's maybe start with, does it matter if you get something out of it? Does it change the charity? So. It-
0: I think it's impossible not to get something out of it. That is sort of our biological motivation towards socialized society is that we do benefit from it, even if indirectly. Mm-hmm. So even if we don't see specifically how it benefits us to be nice to our neighbor, one day when somebody comes and robs your house or whatever, and they're the only witness, and then they witness and they catch the criminal, like it you didn't say hi to them every day so that you know, if there was a home invasion, you're, a criminal would be caught by one witness mm-hmm. like it's just um, it's like a, an insurance well, policy like,
1: like bringing a fruit basket over. You know, it's like I'm giving you some fruit as a gesture of saying hi, it's, yeah,
0: it's and I'm talking very low level. Like oh, yes. Yeah, why we're predisposed towards it is because it benefits us all individually on the whole, like on aggregate over a lifetime, just like insurance does mm-hmm. being nice to other people, especially those in our community. That's why almost everybody is community first, then, you know, city second, province third, nation fourth, humanity fifth.
1: Yeah, right? and that's... Stick to the
0: ones closest to you because they affect you the most. It's very unlikely that being benevolent to somebody in, uh, in Ukraine right now is going to actually physically change or affect your life here, unless, of course, they declare war and... We all spend money on them going to war, but that's neither here nor there.
1: Send them some ammo. <laughs> but
0: I, I don't think it's really possible, though, to, to willingly sacrifice to, without any expectation whatsoever of it being reciprocated, um, like materially reciprocated. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason we feel good about it and the reason we're predisposed to generosity and benevolence is because it, it was like a survival mechanism during the evolutionary process. And well, that doesn't make it wicked or evil or self-serving it's just like an awareness of natural reality that's how we're built like there's no point to just ignore things like. Right you know, sexual attraction you can't just pretend it doesn't exist because it's too taboo to talk about.
1: Well, you have it's a. Taboo, I, but
0: it's uncomfortable but it's true.
1: You have this idea of reciprocity which we did get into in the last episode when we were talking about. Um, a generalized reciprocity, whereas. Um, You can have like no reciprocity. You can have like um, distinct reciprocity where it's like, you will give me 1250 and then I will pay you 1250 back. This is what's gonna happen. Um, Whereas generalized reciprocity is like, I'll pay it forward. (laughs) And so um, then there's like no reciprocity, which would be charity. So I think the thing I'm getting at is, does it belittle it though? When you have that, I guess this is all a question of purity, because if you give someone a $20 bill on the side of the street and they're like, Oh, thank you. It's like, haha, Jesus is going to let me into heaven. Well, that's not a very Christian thing to think, but it's kind of what you do. But then if you're not, if you're an atheist, I guess that kind of takes it out of it. And that doesn't, Mm -hmm. I'm not arguing atheists are more, uh, ethical, but I guess the same thing would be if people were there, you know, Oh, girls are watching. I have to look benevolent. I have to do this. And but that I guess doesn't take away from the action itself. You're still helping somebody, I guess. You're still giving them a boon um, that they might not already have. And so, like that is beneficial. Whether I'm guess I'm asking whether or not. It matters whether or not we're, we're we're profiting from it, but that's not really the definition of charity. We're we're, we're taking out of ourselves to give to others without um expectation of um uh, remuneration. So like I better get paid back. No, that's not the thought process. And I it has seemed like you know with especially with regard to Christianity that. The act of charity has to be completely like, anonymous, has to be completely um, selfless, has to be completely, um, uh, what do you call it? Kind of a zero sum with in favor of the other person. Um, and that's kind of what it seemed like to me for a lot of years. And I, it just seemed like it. I hadn't really thought about it. And I was like, if I'm going to give to somebody, I have to give them in a thing, because then it felt dirty if I'm just giving money and going like yes, no shower praise upon me um, like a like a YouTuber going out and setting up a camera and then giving somebody a $20 bill and then you know. <laughs> then, going, yeah. then that's an investment in in, in tick clicks or something at that point. Um,
0: the thing is, the reason why I was bringing up our inherent biases and towards it, like our predisposition or our propensity for it mm-hmm. is because it would be. It would be ignorant to pretend it wasn't there.
1: No, it pretend
0: that we don't feel good when, we, when we're generous or when we give to other people would just be denying our human nature, and that's just a lie. So, with that in mind, to suggest that charity must be 100% perfectly altruistic is unrealistic because no human being is built like that. Right. So there has to be some sort of self gratification that we get because otherwise, you're not human. I don't know many aliens who walk around pretending to be human, but they might exist right,
1: so even the pure even the person practicing pure altruistic charity still gets to go around feeling like they've practiced pure yeah. altruistic charity.
0: The nun in the convent or the monk in the monastery or whatever they're sacrificing their lives for a greater good of like you know producing um thought and and existential you know um, yeah. What do you call it? So the They're pushing the flow of the Tao, or whatever they're doing. Right? They're achieving greats. They're grace. not just doing it because they were told to or because they believe it. They're doing it because they believe it, but also because they feel it. Like they believe it because they feel it. Mm-hmm. And when I promote charity, sorry about the dog. Well,
1: when, <laughs> when you I bring up charity, it's yeah. not
0: about the reciprocity. Charity to me isn't about feeling bad about it or neutral about it. It means specifically that there's no demand on reciprocation. Right. So if somebody does give you something back for the charity you give them, I still think it's charity because there was no demand placed on the initial uh, sacrifice.
1: Right. And if with you
0: say, I'll give, I'll do this. If you do that, then it's a transaction. Right. That's, a, that's totally different. And like but in kind, when we're doing economic activity, when I sell you something and you give me money, I'm not trying to make you poorer. I shouldn't feel bad that you have less money than you did before you saw me. Mm-hmm. Like it's a transaction. It's agreed upon so just because i give something to somebody and i feel good about it um i don't think i should feel bad for feeling good about it you know what i mean
1: yeah and i i think that's it you feel better when you know that like um that homeless person isn't just going to spend that money and go get drugs you feel better when you know, you watch them walk into a safeway with that twenty dollar bill and buy some food or something. Uh, you know, it's like, oh good, my my charity's not going to waste my this and that. Um now monks is an interesting one. Uh, you hit on a nail there because it's now any any person that goes into a monastery in this day and age, in this um climate of the faith, I guess, that we have now, um definitely is exerting that um but a lot of times in history you had monks go into a monastery and then they'd expect that charity why aren't you giving and then they'd live off that charity that kind of a corruption of the charity um and you well you see this a lot nowadays with things like um the the salvation army and uh and cancer care, which we've complained about before, um, especially in our, uh, I believe it was the activism uh, episode, where, you know, we're active in doing what? Well, we're going to solve cancer. Are you? <laughs> Sounds like you're buying yourself a yacht. Um,
0: we talked about it a bit in our relationships episode, too, because yeah. relationships are reciprocal that way, friendships. You mm-hmm. usually want to get something out of your friendship. So it's not entirely altruistic, but is it bad? I would say no. No. Depends well, if your motivation for self-interest supersedes the motivation for the interest of others.
1: Well, it's weird. And this kind of goes back to your biological thing. And this is going to be not a external source. But whenever a friend asks me to do something, like an actual friend asks me to do something, I don't really think twice about it. I just do it. Can you drive me to the, yes, I can. Well, you know, it's not, don't do that. Like, it, it, and they if they say, no, no, it's no problem. It's like, I said, yes, that's all you need. Like, it doesn't seem like an act of charity to me. It just seems like, um, duty, I guess would be the, the proper term for it. Um,
0: but if du- your profession was to be a taxi driver, then I would consider it your duty. Yeah. You know I mean? But it's if, still but charity, even if you're willing to do it or it's it easy, would
1: or be, you don't think twice, it wouldn't put me out. If like you asked me it's like, dude, can you give me a ride to the airport? or um, a couple other friends I have here in Edmonton. Uh, But if some random person asked me or some person from work asked me, I'd be like, yeah, all right. When someone asks you help them, but like at some, at the same time, I'm not going to be as charitable, I guess with someone I am only acquainted with, but a friend is a friend. That's like family. So,
0: But that's more a defense mechanism, because you and I both know there are people out there who will exploit generosity to the nth degree. Yes. If you didn't have that feeling of, "Eh," if you just automatically said yes all the time, you'd be homeless. Mm -hmm. You would eventually give away all of your stuff and all of your food and all of your money and your car and your gas to everybody who asked for it, and you'd have nothing, and then you couldn't help anybody forever.
1: Right. And It, it
0: doesn't benefit even the people you're helping if you become... Well, Insult
1: triage. You help yourself first. If you're an ambulance in a car crash and you had five people in the back, who's the person you help first? You. <laughs> you can't help any of them if you don't help yourself first. Um and uh no, it makes sense. And it I guess that's also part of that, you know, biological you are have a duty towards, you have like an ingrained duty towards those that you have ties of meaning with. Now, interestingly enough, if someone, if you do end up, start doing things for people, um, one of the neat things like the Benjamin Franklin effect, you'll end up actually appreciating them more you'll end up creating a new relationship with them because all of a sudden it's like, Hey man, can you lend me your book? Like Benjamin Franklin would do to his like political enemies and he borrowed Books from just constantly ask them advice on like interpretations of the books and have conversations all of a sudden he'd have friends um, and supporters because all of a sudden he's forcing them to get invested in his life Um, which is kind of canny and this has probably been attributed to more than just Benjamin Franklin but it, it it works like I've tried it before after I heard about it I was like know getting people to do things for an entire week for me and i was just making friends and i was like this is weird
0: (laughs) and and a lot of people consider that like buying friends but it's really not it's how we're built socially we're gonna trust somebody intrinsically more just like from the inside out if they are generous people because then we're safer we're less likely to be taken advantage of by generous people right and so going, it's not that they're buying friendship. What they're doing is they're demonstrating their character. It, right. It's very, very subtle, but it's
1: well, and it actually goes into the fact that you can't buy friend, you can't buy friendship, and you can't buy these things. Because if you try and buy them, like, what? Well, look at these um, like simps, the guys who just give money to girls that are never going to sleep with them in the like, or a guy who's like, yeah, I'll give you money, I'll take you out, and and uh, then they'll be. You know at the end of the night nothing will be left but the implication and the it doesn't work it's not how you get a wife it's not how you get a girlfriend um you get no, a you wife get
0: laid from it like it does work you, like you get laid from goal it Goal is just to get laid
1: but as but the thing like as a guy who's married you know you only get laid from it at this point it's like getting laid is like i guess that works but like i've got a what wife
0: Teenager, like if we go to a bar and stuff, and a girl asks me to buy her a drink, it's one thing for her to like not talk to me because I don't buy her a drink, mm-hmm. and like that to me just speaks volumes about their character. That's a person, oh, yeah, idea. no, and, and it's not because I'm too cheap to buy a girl a drink. I wanna know that they actually care about my conversation before I buy them a drink. And I don't think that's selfish. Well, I think that should be standard, but it's not. Well, you're
1: making them earn their drink. Plus when you buy them a drink, by my logic that I've been going through, is that you are predisposing yourself towards her, but in no way predisposing her towards you. There's no, yeah. like you're only making, and that's that's what she wants. She wants a bunch of guys that she can choose from. and. You know fair enough yeah,
0: i'd love that opportunity too but like if i don't get it like you don't get yeah. it you know
1: but it seems like you're making a trade and it's like oh i'm giving charity so i can get laid it's like no she's using you and like and so you do like charity this isn't some like oh i gave to someone and now i feel good and a lot of people just leave it at that but it's definitely a lot more complicated be and one of the things I think that makes it more complicated is that corruption, because when I, I distinctly remember giving you know some guy was a bit pushy and I learned my lesson and I gave him you know 1020 bucks and then you just feel bad after like why do you feel bad after giving money to a. Um, giving you know money to a homeless person and me and my wife, we were both there and we just both felt like absolute garbage for like two days after doing this. Um, And we couldn't figure out why we had to just like sit down and think about it. And it felt like we got swindled. Like this guy is just like, oh, you know, he's doing the whole act. He's doing the whole thing. He's confusing you to get to get the monies, you know, that performative victimhood that, you know, the all the homeless people play. Um, And you just go like no, and then you you, know, you feel like oh, I could have been good or I could have been a saint at that point, but then you actually do it and then I didn't feel like a saint at all I didn't have that 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 stimulation that tells me that that was the way you should have acted at that point that's usually a good sign. Um, it's the but not local. all homeless people do that no not only all homeless people do that well in winnipeg there's that one the Toonie lady
0: <laughs> yeah like she's notorious for it but the thing is if um if you know that there's a a biological trait that you can exploit for profit yeah everyone will do it it's not just you know the homeless to lady who runs around screaming in the middle of the street frantic. I'm so hungry like it really jerks you to hear it, but once you've heard it eight or nine times and you're like lady like you want a job and she says no. That's it every time I see her i'm going to call her out and say I offered you a job and you refused it don't ever give this woman money, not because she's not needy, but because of the way she's trying to exploit people for personal benefit right, I think that's cruel to pull on people's heartstrings and make them feel like you're dying right in front of them and all it would take is a dollar to spare her death. Hmm. That's like the emotion she's conjuring up from it. But she's been doing it for like 10, 15 years now straight.
1: Yeah. Or like you pointing her out a couple times. She's yeah. hard to miss.
0: <laughs> and and the thing is that that is a type of swindle. That's no different from the snake oil salesman, you know, going town to town and selling people garbage because they have this hope and a wish that this will suddenly cure the their ailment
1: or it's selling them in it indulgences in so that
0: nobody can you know track you and get their money back or beat you up or whatever
1: yeah well and they can come up to you and they you know they they're the um homeless people are getting smarter it, it's 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 obvious even in my lifetime because you know it's, give me some money give me some money give me some money and now it's like Hey man, how's it going? You look like and they like give you a pitch now, and they <laughs> and they there's try
0: probably and, a Udemy course for it or something.
1: Oh, I don't how know how to panhandle well, effectively. Well, they do teach each other because like the the successful ones are successful. They 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 make. Sometimes I remember being working minimum wage and I'm being like a bit jealous of how much they make, but there's a, this a price, um, but they you know they'll come up make conversation and they'll ingratiate because it's you know some random guy comes up to you and this goes back to i guess what we were talking about before comes up to you say chris give me some money first of all i know your name then you're like oh jordan needs some money i should probably get my wallet out and if i've got like a scar it's like what do you need money for it's like a taxi to the hospital (laughs) it's like but you're like dude, I don't have my money on me. Can you spot me tonight? I'll pay you back when I get home and find my card that I left in my other jacket, like an idiot charity, I guess. But then, you know, some random guy comes out and says, Hey, Chris, or not Chris, they don't know you. Sorry. Bad example. Hey, you look like a guy who did this and that. Give me some money so that I can pay my bar tab. And you're going to be like, no, it's, it's charity. We'll always be charitable. but there's something about that situation that doesn't know, which is why they, you know, invest, make you invest themselves. You're telling them about your life. Oh, Hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm this. And you're this. Oh, now that we know each other, give me money. And uh, you can yeah, see it coming a mile away.
0: Behavior, Cause they know that people are drawn towards storytelling, right? Right. Like you talked about this a lot in history, history episodes and things like that. Mm. So knowing that people are susceptible to, um, sort of warm up towards people with a story or a backdrop or some sort of tragedy or whatever they will just come at you not all of them obviously but the the ones we're speaking of in this particular moment and instance mm-hmm. they will come up to you on, on a, at a bus stop completely blindside you make you pull out your headphones say what and then they will just start telling you about every tragic thing they can imagine And there's another lady in Winnipeg here who actually carts her kids around on this beat up old um, stroller. And she says, like, do you uh, have any directions to get to like Henderson in the perimeter? I'm not from around here. I don't know where that is. And if you're from Winnipeg, it's just way on the outside of the city and the city's sprawled out. So even for a small city, it's a really far way away. And she makes it sound like she's going to walk there overnight. It's,
1: there's with nothing there for our viewers. There's absolutely nothing at that intersection.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and people will give her 10 or 20 bucks because it's a long cab ride even all the mm-hmm. way down there. Even with no traffic, it's a $10, $15 cab ride. Yeah. But she makes an entire day's worth of panhandling in like 30 minutes because she puts her kids on the street and whores them out. And she manipulates people. And that type of demand for charity is abusive, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Because you're preying on people's uh, ignorance and you're also preying on their humanity, the humane part of them that makes them want to be good, decent people. So at this point, it's not even just about, like, I have a little extra here I want to give you. You're like getting people who don't even have enough food for themselves to give that up to help this person. Yeah. And that and causes it, more harm than good. And and you
1: see them because, wearing like that those fancy, like, sweater sports, I don't know, whatever people wear. I, I I don't know what you call it blazer no not blazers but like fancy hood wear. Uh <laughs> like they've got all the fancy hoodies and like jeans that are more expensive than mine I'm just like so I remember like sitting there like one guy's wearing a hockey sweater uh it's like Canadians or something um and he's sitting sitting there going like he's like asking me for money I'm like dude you're wearing a jersey jerseys are like 100 bucks
0: bucks,
1: (laughs) it's like no sell your jersey (laughs) like i'm just sitting here like no i'm going on my way to make like 60 bucks in eight hours could you off your jersey's worth more than i'm gonna make today like
0: And so after railing on these types of people for a bit, I just want to flip it upside down and say, on the other hand, people who are deserving of charity, if you don't have the money, there are other ways you can be charitable. Yeah. So a really lonely person in the hospital might also need money, but if you don't have the money to give them, you can sit beside them and talk to them and keep them company. I've done that so before. It doesn't just take rich people to be charitable. And that's a huge misconception. I think with a lot of people like just broadly today, And the evidence for for my thinking this way is having spent time in the hospital, I saw tons of people who didn't get any visitors. Mm -hmm. That to me is tragic because there are tons of people who are on social assistance who don't have jobs or kids who could be sitting there just trying to help the community out and they choose to watch TV instead. Mm -hmm. They choose to self-gratify instead of spending just a little bit of time and energy um, making Giving reprieve to somebody who actually needs it, somebody who's actually suffering. Right. Loneliness is a real human condition. Like it's a really, uh, it's like a, it's painful. Now, better word.
1: To be fair, to be fair, but um, the someone like me, I can't imagine being very good at like me sitting up there being like, "Hey, how's it going?" I'm just coming here to hang out, and they'd be like, "Cool," and then I just start. Talking and never stop. Um,
0: you don't have to be good at it. You could just do a puzzle together. Yeah. You know how to do puzzles, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I remember one specific time I was at the Forks in Winnipeg, and some woman just starts talking to me. I'm just like, ah, hi. What do you want? And it was, it was, it was off-putting because of how abrupt it was. <laughs> just comes out, like, materializes out of nowhere and starts talking to me. It's a little jarring, but she's just lonely, and I could see that. And I'm like. She's just like, oh, do you know any clubs? And she's like literally asking for help. And I told her, you know, church. <laughs> <laughs> and I straight up said, like, find a church. Well, what denomination's best? It's like at this point, it doesn't
0: matter. Yeah. Uh, you can figure that out afterwards. Just
1: don't go to a Calvinist church. Um, but they're a little harsh. Um, <laughs> more money, though. <laughs> well, Catholics got lots of money. But uh, the... they don't give it out
0: as nicely, though. <laughs>
1: Not as charitable, um, but no, they're not. I, I hope that helped. And I hope my, f- you know, 15 minutes of, uh, you know, just chat helped, but I didn't do it because of, out of a sense of charity. I did it because honestly, I was just as lonely. <laughs> I remember living at that. I wasn't doing anything. I was only working and going to school. So like everyone I saw was not really a friend. So I think that's the aspect of it is that when one of the things is that it's easy to corrupt something when it's a specific value, but when it's something amorphous like that, it's harder to corrupt because something like time or just a conversation just sometimes seems like such a charity. I remember being like, oh, I, I think we all kind of understand this now, now that COVID's happened, where loneliness sucks. And if you take that time, it's actually beneficial for both parties. And it seems, like charity on the receiving end sometimes, which is okay, because it's just kind of like that, that thank you, thank you, thank you. And we all kind of did this, you go to the grocery store and you end up talking to the person at the grocery store, like telling them way too much because you're just so happy to have a person there in front of you, but.
0: I haven't left the house in over two years. <laughs> I get my, my groceries delivered. Ooh. But I do hear that a lot from people. But the thing is, like, it's weird with me because I've never been like that. So Mm -hmm. I used to be really gregarious and I talked to everybody, but that was out of self interest too. I was actually interested in everybody at the time because when I was young, everything was new. Mm -hmm. Oh, what do you do? Oh, cool. Tell me about your job. Oh, what do you do? What happened to you? Like, tell me about. But once I feel like I've seen so many of the same personalities, Mm -hmm. I just, I lost the inclination to want to meet new strangers because it's like, Watching a sitcom after Friends and Seinfeld, everything sounds the same.
1: Right. Or... Like I've
0: heard, I've seen enough Frasier to not want to watch The Big Bang Theory. You know <laughs> what
1: I mean? No, actually, but I, I'm assuming <laughs> you're right, and I haven't watched either of those shows. But uh, the I get what you're saying is because you kind of want things to happen naturally. You want if someone's gonna come in and um, have a charitable impact on your life, um, then you want it to happen as a matter of course, you want it kind of to flow into your life because that just, it 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 brings meaning to it because a person aside, like at a party, all these people are just people. They They, they don't really have any bearing on your life. They're just kind of there. But when things happen, I don't know, you meet someone at work and they're just, it just clicks. And all of a sudden there's, there's meaning and trust and all that stuff there. And you form a relationship, not with, you know, this person, eight, three, seven, B who was personality type, you know, a three or something. And, you know, you don't form relationships with like that. You form relationships based on, um, The history, the story that you've had with that person over the course of time, which is why um, getting people to do things for you adds them into your story, and now they're in your story, and you um, are—they're invested in you. Now you're invested in them, which is why the girls always say no when you give them stuff because it's—they don't have any any reason to they can just say no but a friend you can't say no to because it's almost like saying no to a part of yourself um at least that's kind of what it feels like to me but do i want to go here
0: well let's see where you take it first
1: (laughs) so i was just like i was i was gonna segue to something but i think i want to see where you go first
0: okay (laughs) um just briefly i it's not anything huge but it it does scale up, too, because I think people want to be part of good stories. Mm. So when somebody comes to you with a compelling story and you see them on TV three years later, having come up from absolutely nothing to becoming Jeff Bezos, inside your mind, you want to be like, oh, I'm I could have really prevented that. There. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you want to be part of a good story, too. Mm-hmm. So contributing is sort of a way of it's like with venture capitalists who want to be part of the next big thing, to put it in economic terms. They'll invest like tens of millions of dollars into things like Theranos, which was a huge scam or whatever, and we'll get into organizations later. But a lot of the reason they do it is because of the big payoff, the big reward. Well, with charity, the big reward is helping somebody temporarily so that they grow up or expand or down the road become huge givers. Because then you can basically take some personal credit for all the wonderful things this other person did by extension. Do you know what I mean? I don't mean it like literally like I did it, but like you feel better about it knowing that your charity went to a bigger charity because it's like it expanded, it grew.
1: Right. So you can actually have an impact because if I I give five bucks to some random person on the street and it's just like, oh, they get to buy a loaf Uh, of bread or it's like, does that even cover drugs? Um, But the... And that in ambiguity when you're giving something, like I'm actually a complete and utter asshole when it comes to um, panhandlers. Like I'm not a good person when it comes to panhandlers. People would see, like, Jordan, you're a jerk. And I just, I've been, felt like I've been burned too many times. So like, hey, man, you got change. And I go, yeah. And I keep walking, shit like that. Uh, <laughs> like I'm kind of a prick. But it's, no, I don't see that as like, you know, a a good way to put my money cuz like I could invest that money in, you know, family. I could invest it in like friends or I could do this and that, but it has to seem right to me to do it at the time. And I don't know.
0: See, to me I'm on the other end of it. Like I, I used to hang out with homeless people even though I didn't have the money to give them. I would play hacky sack, I would rap and do freestyle, Yeah, you know, talk about past careers and things like that, like what got them there. And like, I tried to learn about life from these people because I couldn't contribute to them. I tried to give them some sort of companionship. And, you know, invariably when you speak to people often enough, you'll just become friends with a bunch of them. So when I was living downtown or in the urban areas, I had a lot of homeless friends, right? So I knew where to find them and I, I knew their families and I'd hang out at their their dad's club or whatever. Um, but the thing about it for me wasn't that I don't care. Like It's not my place to demand where somebody puts the money I give them. Mm. If I give them food and they want to sell it for money and then buy drugs with it, I gave them food. That was the charity. Right. I have no right to impose my will on somebody else's spending habits. If they want to better themselves, they'll do it. And if all they need is food, then that's what they'll buy. And if their addiction supersedes their, their will for food and they spend your food money on drugs, that's not something you're going to fix today. Right. And it's not something you're going to fix by not giving them money. What you're doing, though, is showing a gesture of compassion that some stranger somewhere in the world gave, the, gave you, if you're the homeless person, um, a moment's reprieve a moment to actually be thankful and to not feel spit on or trod on or unloved or hated. Um, you know what I mean? Like you're giving some person hope in a sense, even mm-hmm. though it's not probably alcohol is not the best way to put that money to use. Yeah, I've oftentimes when the guys in BC would come by, cause you used to be able to return cans for 10 cents each. So the homeless people in my neighborhood would just clear out the streets of garbage every day. And I loved it. I would hand beer off my balcony to these guys just to like hang out. Yeah,
1: they do that in Alberta. I would take my recycling and just leave it beside the, um, leave it beside the garbage bin because it'd, it'd be gone in the morning.
0: <laughs> the the beneficial social practice of this though is having people who are that stressed out and destitute they're more likely to commit crimes right yeah. and if you make them less likely to commit crimes by showing some sort of heart or compassion or will to help them move up yeah. like if you show some interest in their well-being not just like what you want for them it it diminishes even the will towards crime not just against yourself but like your neighborhood it makes them less angry at the world less less like predisposed to act out or lash out on the, the rich people or the white people or you right. know whatever denominated group that they feel oppressed by, it's not to say that their oppress their oppressive feelings are legitimate. It's just to say that their feelings are legitimate. They're allowed to have feelings, yeah. and whether or not those feelings are justified is irrelevant. They have them. You got to deal with them.
1: Right. Part now, of
0: dealing with them is just showing people that you're human in and my, that they matter, that they it, care.
1: In my experience, a full tummy does more to foster. um What do you call it? Uh, To foster um, a better attitude in myself. So, like, and if if I'm an addict, (laughs) well, if If I'm person
0: addicted, a full tummy is secondary to their their addiction. mm -hmm. That's the medical problem with addiction: is that your wants are skewed.
1: Right. Well, and that if well, and at that point, if someone you're dealing with addicted um, people dealing with addiction um yeah well, those are the ones
0: that'll spend food and money on drugs or alcohol
1: right but they need more than just charity at that point like me yeah. giving them five bucks is like they're not even gonna remember me giving them five bucks and they're gonna go to the thing what they need is someone who's whose job is charitable but the effort that they're putting in is so much that we can't rightly let them do that charitably um it's a full-time job and more to deal with these people as a um, like addictions counselor or a um uh like a shelter or something like that. like we can't just let these be and that's why their jobs is because there's you know that's a 60-hour work week sometimes and so i don't know actually but i'm assuming it's a lot
0: (laughs) We, we can totally afford it but we're not doing it because we're not prioritizing it we're prioritizing government subsidies to transnational conglomerates over individual people yes yeah, and that public money health to China. is taking a back seat towards subsidies for oil and then oil pollutes the water and airway which causes more public health issues so we can't honestly say we're, we can't afford to address it when we're paying money out of pocket well, uh, no, the
1: problem. i'm not saying we can't afford it um that's not what I'm arguing at all. I'm arguing that at some point charity has to become a job, um, like, um, and I think this is kind of how organizations are made too. But you know, you you're trying to help sick people. Oh, I can help uh, one sick person maybe for fifteen minutes a week. <laughs> like I'm not, and I, the more time I put in, okay, I'm gonna and I start finding that. You know, this is all hypothetical I start finding that you know I, i'm helping more and more, and then i'm helping too much it's becoming a detriment, if I want to keep doing this i'm going to need i um, i'm going to need some help. Uh, but if what you're doing is beneficial, then you actually have to you know you can't keep doing it as charity, it has to become. um. A job at that point and
0: that's a good way to segue into the yeah. organizational structures of yeah
1: because there's a lot of good organizations and if you are um uh, it's strange because you get like christians who everyone's like rips on them but they end up giving just quietly giving a ton of money to charity every year just an absolutely flabbergastingly <laughs> large amount uh, they just feel like yeah just just do it and they don't make a big deal of it um which is i think the right way to do it um and it's to support
0: force charity then when you're forced to pay taxes and then your taxes go towards a charity
1: yeah um I'm, I'm, that's uh well if you've seen any of our other podcasts you'll know that i'm like Podcast uh <laughs> podcasts sorry that <laughs> with is that um if you want me to if you want to force charity you know come and take it but <laughs> i know that
0: firefighter services in in that same vein it's a forced charity my house isn't going to burn down i don't want to pay for fire insurance until well, your only, house burns down only if
1: you um only if you call it a charity other like that's kind of a like police and fire that's a service that we all pay into um it's a it's
0: a taxpayer funded service right yeah so like benefit from
1: you could argue that it's more like a co-op than a charity (laughs) Mm. so but something like
0: like um, feeding the homeless though shouldn't that be more of a a charity But we're organizing it through charities when it should be a government practice.
1: Yeah. Like Winnipeg Harvest. I don't actually know if that's how it's run, but essentially you get people feeding the poor. And like I said before, you get one person feeding the poor. I can feed, you know, if I take my extra money every month and just buy food and go out and distribute it, I'm not just spending a hundred bucks on food. I'm also spending, you know, three hours of time, uh, transporting it to get it to these people. And then they're like well this isn't enough for a meal i'm like i'm trying my best here (laughs) Um, but then if i conglomerate and i get a bunch of people together and you know you we pay everyone for their time the charity is and it becomes an institution you give it out and um then you're then through almost rejecting the charity aspect of it you're able to feed you know Tens of thousands, no, like maybe tens. Of- I actually don't know how much, like something like Winnipeg Harvest or Edmonton Harvest feeds every year, but I'm sure it's a lot of people because I know they help 20,
0: yeah. thousands. Yeah.
1: yeah. And they, they're they able to do this, and there are volunteers. And um, that is something that you can do. You can, they're leveraging not like an individual, but then they bring, they leverage that charitable institution to bring in people to to sort and do this and then but they're also keeping costs down so I guess the question there is is that ethical to just let people work without um, paycheck even if they want to so I'm willing to do this but people again will be self-destructive and will put themselves under in order to lift someone else up which you know more power to you but maybe we shouldn't let them do that so blithely
0: <laughs> and just for some context i just looked up uh, harvestmanitoba.ca i encourage everybody to check it out yeah um they feed 80,000 Manitobans and two almost 200,000 volunteer hours are donated annually oh that's it 200,000 oh
1: 200,000 i thought you said yeah, 2,000
0: 80,000 Manitobans okay. are fed
1: that's that's a lot
0: that's more than huge that. that's enough that the government should be looking after that because it's not like they're helping 2, 2 3000 people they're helping the, the equivalent population of a whole section of our city
1: right and there's only
0: 800,000 sh- people in the city they're what? feeding 10% of the whole city on donations
1: and i'm sure they they do employ a certain number of permanent staff
0: yeah accountants um, and lawyers people and that, ads ads they have to put on t v they need film people to make the ads they need mm-hmm. you know all kinds of project managers and stuff,
1: but then again, you remember something like um and this goes into kind of a theme is like uh juxtaposed that with something like flood relief now in for everyone who's not living in Winnipeg um Winnipeg flood, flood is when
0: the water rises,
1: yeah a lot and <laughs> Farmers get mad. And so all over Winnipeg, there's like, there's safety dikes all through the um, southern Manitoba. And there's like a floodway where if the river gets too high, they can siphon off some of the river and push it around the city and into the lake north of the city. <clears throat> so they don't have to like sandbag every. 10 years. Now, in 97, what happened was the water level, you know, the flood of the century, which it was, it was like, it was quite um, the natural disaster that year. And uh, what happened was everyone in the city just got up, didn't think about it, just got up, went to somewhere near the river, found a sandbag line and picked up a sandbag or started filling sandbags. And this is just kind of what happened. No one really thought about it. It just, Kind of happened. <laughs> People would donate to buy bags and sand. Um, there'd be coordinators. I remember one time I just showed up and they just put me on a bus. Uh, and, you know, the rest of the day I filled sandbags with a shovel. It just so there was an, I think what happened was there was a need. And because it threatened everybody. And it is clear and present danger. Well, not really to threaten at everybody, because if you're living a lot near the river in somewhere like St. Boniface or um St. Norbert or uh like around the university area, then you might have a problem. But if you are living in Transcona or something, who cares? <laughs>
0: More re- relatable examples, though, think of Hurricane Sandy in, in New York and New Orleans. They had people from all over the country yeah. going to New Orleans or 9-11. You had firefighters from all over the country. Yeah, those 9/11. guys just
1: walk. They're like, hmm, that seems like a dangerous cloud. And then they walk in.
0: Yeah, the Texas <laughs> snowstorms are the same thing when there was power blockouts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, LA from the earthquakes. So
1: yeah, it's not and like I an think-
0: isolated thing. It's what humans do innately. Yeah, and just and th- respond a crisis in a community-centered way. And I not think not everybody, but most people have the inclination, at least, to do it, yeah. even if they don't do it.
1: Well, and I think that's where the that true quality of charity lies. That that kind of like pure charity that I was, you know, you're never going to get pure charity. But if you want to get, if you if you have a pure charity, that's where it is. Where you just you don't think about it, you just do it, and that's you know that's the the zen
0: that's the flow the Tao, right there moving through your life and but contrast that with those truckers that went to ottawa and ate all the food from the homeless shelter
1: yeah i don't want to get into that they (laughs) raised
0: what like eight million dollars or something and they didn't spend it on like a food cart to feed their own protesters and then they ate from the homeless people's plate the donations from Ottawa like citizens, and then they block the roads off from Ottawa citizens.
1: Yeah, that's not a charity. Like, how
0: selfish can you possibly get? That's how selfish.
1: <laughs> well, anyway, I don't really want to get into that now.
0: No, but it's an example of how people are very self-centered even in their benevolence, right? right. They see no problem um, looking after themselves on somebody else's charity. But a lot of people also see no problem taking from charities for personal gain like a right. well
1: like yeah well i think a more concrete example um would be something like um uh cancer society which you got into but also like the salvation army where like you know you get these budgets which go over and there's people that go get into it with that with that with that sense of just get up and do it when uh, on multiple different issues. So you get people like, oh, I need to sandbag. I'm just going to go out and do it because it's something, you know, you know, you can do. Um, But then some people feel the same, I'm assuming, when they pass like a. What do you call it? Uh, Like a like a like a harvest uh, cart saying, you know, please donate food to the harvest. It's winter's coming. It's going to be hard. and stocks are low uh giving blood as an example um but like also like little league teams well you want the kids to be able to play uh sports and and you you just put money towards it you you buy a bunch of balls or you rent uh you make it so that they have enough money to rent out time in the arena or the, the 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 pitch and i think When it doesn't come from that, you get a lot of. I think what you're describing are grifters, I think is a good word for it. Somebody who's playing a grift. They're out for the profit. They see an opportunity uh, not to help, but to make a profit or to.
0: I think they believe sincerely that they deserve it, though.
1: Yeah, probably. The
0: people who take from charities believe they earned it or that the charity is there for them. Like that's its purpose and raison d'etre.
1: That or they're nihilistic, which is in or that Or case... sociopathic or whatever, yeah. Yeah.
0: Like politicians are sociopaths. Like, yeah. Straight up, when a politician takes from a charity like Trump or Trudeau, they are doing it just to ingratiate their already rich selves. There's nothing, there's no qualms about that. But for most people, abusing a charity service is like, a, I earned this through my hard life kind of, Mentality, and I've heard that a lot from even the homeless people I've talked to. Mm -hmm. They feel entitled to it because they've had such a hard time, as if nobody else in the world has had a hard life. They
1: think, oh, go on.
0: Oh, they'll they'll have this mentality that well, if you're doing so much better than me, standing in front of me right now, it's because you didn't have it as hard as I did, and that's a really false. Um, what do you call that? Uh, false equivalence. Yeah, it's a false. Make believe.
1: Well, you have this. I don't have this, and you have that. And the thing is, like, you don't know that guy in the suit's life story. Like, if you look at me now, I'm wearing collared shirts and, you know, in dorky sweaters and, you know, a nice jacket. But if, I don't know, you can't really see the scars underneath. You're like, there's some. One of some... the
0: most annoying things is when people assume that smart people are born smart. It's mm. so frustrating to me cuz it it like downplays all of the hard work and effort that it took to become intelligent.
1: Intelligence then, is a potential that you need to hone like a knife right.
0: constantly. And then somebody who's got a learning disability can still become super smart, but just mm. by assuming they're smart, it doesn't just negate the learning a normal person would have to do, it negates even the extra effort they had to put in to get there.
1: Right. So, like you're I, like you're smart, but what have you done to use it. Like if I get two candidates, one who's like they're both equally smart, but one's uh one's put work into making it better and like, you know, put that sacrifice in, I'm gonna be more likely to to I'm gonna be more charitable towards the one who's, you know, acquiring scars through its use rather than just saying, well I have it, so give it to me. It's like, well we all have these things. See our last uh episode. We're all equal. We all have this it's what you're doing with it that matters and Mm -hmm. like it is charity at some point to bring someone up to a place where they can use it that's like that equality of opportunity that apparently is a racist term now i don't know but that's what we mean by that it's like we need to bring people to a place where they can suffer just like us and not suffer like them (laughs) it's a better suffering what
0: if i put it I just I never hear it put this way and I just want to I want to put on record briefly like the economic term for it. Um, Instead of trying to bring people up to a baseline level of opportunity, which is like abstract and impossible to measure, we should be considering things in terms of marginal utility benefit. So um, we talked about this in our economics thing if you have one ice cream on a hot day it's worth a lot to you but your 10th ice cream that same day probably isn't worth very much. If we focused on allocating our charity towards marginal utility, towards the thing where the smallest amount provides the biggest benefit, and you constantly give money towards the smallest amount to the biggest benefit, our charity would go so much further.
1: There was a guy China's. talking about that. Um, what was his name? I'll look it up while you keep talking about.
0: Oh, OK, <laughs> I, I, that's all I wanted to say was just to mention it that way, because most people talk about the equal of equality of opportunity thing, and it's just It doesn't mean anything to most people to hear that. And that's why they'll turn it into like, oh, well, you're just being racist or you just want to help black people. Or it's not about that. If a small, tiny contribution can help a whole group of people greatly, whereas giving that same contribution to another group of people helps them marginally, we should all agree that it's in everyone's best interest to use the funds to their biggest benefit. We should all agree where that money goes, regardless if it benefits us or not.
1: That's it. I found it. It's Good. Bjorn Lomborg. And he runs charities or not a charity, but a government, uh, not a government, but a, it was a thing where you, it's, it's a group that nonprofit, I believe so that, um, I don't want to say it. I don't know. So I believe so. That essentially acts as a consulting agency. So, they can go governments and, and companies can go up to them being like, I want to actually make this money help and not have it just fly off and get stolen by, you know, freedom fighters or, you know, opportunists or something or just something that just doesn't work. And so he does, they do studies and say like, what's the cost benefit analysis of, I don't know, uh, certain things. And there was like, uh, nuclear energy, um, how to get people fed uh, certain like enriched rices help a lot, stuff like that. One of the things he came up with was cure tuberculosis. And we haven't been doing any research on it, but if you cure tuberculosis, the net gain to society will be, you know, ex- exponential. It, we don't even notice it. Make sure. And the other one of the other things was um, fix infant mortality and that'll have one of the ma- math, like, and it's just stuff you wouldn't think about, but they just did a statistical analysis. Bill and in- Gates
0: does a lot of that. That's why you invest in mosquito nets. Yeah. Like a $5 mosquito net or a $3 anti-malarial drug, mm-hmm. you're saving a person's entire lifetime of yeah. productive labor. Right. It, it's a no brainer. You'll make $5 in, in off of profits from the things you sell, wholesale from them, or just from things you sell to them, like water and food, or from tax revenues, or whatever, you'll make five bucks off a kid, no problem over the course of their lifetime, like, but in spades. <laughs> it's just so straightforward. Keep people alive, mm-hmm. keep people fed alive, and healthy and educated. And that's not to force people into health, or force people into, but when people are desperately begging you for it, and yeah, feed them. It's in everybody's best interest. They'll make more money, contribute more to society, both in economic terms, but also in morale. Mm -hmm. Like people can be proud of where they come from when you don't leave people to die in your streets and step over them and pretend you don't notice them. Right. We don't feel good about ourselves having cities like that. So why are there bad areas of cities? Like we're rich enough, we shouldn't have a bad area
1: yeah well if you stop prosecuting any theft under 950.
0: well the biggest problem is we don't prosecute theft over 950. yeah when when a property management company bilks a whole like building out of their tenants or or condo owners out Mm -hmm. of their money because they didn't do their job and there's no recourse because the people are homeless now and they can't afford to go to court and wait three years to be paid back like you're not helping anybody by not processing a police report when there's evidence of corruption.
1: Yeah. Well, the
0: biggest problem isn't that we're prosecuting people for small amounts of theft or damage. The problem is that we're not prosecuting people for huge amounts of theft and damage, right? With the corporate crimes that we don't prosecute. It takes a million other small crimes to make up that same difference. Those... And Those are spread across people so that they're affordable. Those losses can be afforded to a greater group of people, right. whereas a corporate crime like Intel getting out of a nine billion dollar fine from 2009 that they never paid to the EU nine billion dollars uh, that's like a third of our entire year's co- like revenues as a government would
1: just spend it badly. <laughs> but <laughs> no, it's a joke
0: crime it's that bad. You can't just let them off the hook for nothing and then blame everybody else and say, we don't have money to feed poor people or build affordable housing. It's flat out bullshit. It's favoritism towards the people in least need. And that doesn't benefit anybody except for this tiny, tiny percentage of people with a voice loud enough to convince everybody else that it's in everybody else's best interest. Mm -hmm. But all it takes is a little bit of forethought and think, hmm, does Intel really need to not be prosecuted for $9 billion? But we do need to prosecute all these people for marijuana possession? Well,
1: like, this is you're, you're you're using, and unfortunately this is sad, but you're you're doing what this Bjorn Lomberg guy is doing. It's like, what if we added critical thinking to the charity process?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, that's exactly what I'm Which imagining. is hard.
1: Like, well, and that's why Canada did this. Like all of a sudden, it's like, okay, we have a net negative from having ban on marijuana in multiple areas. So let's just let it happen. You know what happened? Well, crime went rampant. No, you opened up another sector of the economy, probably employed another like 3000 people across the nation at least. And now people don't have to worry about the looking over cops over their shoulder to, to, to smoke. But is this charity? No, it's just sensible politics, I guess. But, um which kind you know, of makes I'm me think
0: about charity though is the money that you get from companies that commit fraud and get mm-hmm. fined and yeah. then when you a don't find them more than they they made from the crime that's money that can't go towards fixing a charity problem yeah like, manitoba harvest should be funded by the government everybody wants those eighty thousand people fed and not every one of them would starve to death without manitoba harvest but that's not a good baseline well, you wouldn't have starved to death, you would have just starved because nobody can work or learn properly or raise kids properly or do other charity themselves if they're not fed. Like you're crippling yourself at the knees by not helping people get food and shelter. Now, I mean, and education and security and my stuff My thought too. is- And shelter, you'd eat every single day.
1: No, my thought is, is that the Winnipeg Harvest model, <clears throat> now we're only, we're only using this example because. We both know it. (laughs) That's a good one. But we want to promote them. But there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with the government not being involved in a charity because, like, oh, well, why doesn't the government just do it? Because Manitoba Harvest is doing it. And that's, to me, that's okay. You have this group that's saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to leverage people's goodwill and, um, in charity in order to actually do the charity on a larger scale, which seems, you know, it's got that, um, that, corporatist feel to it, which makes you feel like, oh, corporations bad, but it's like, I, I really don't see anything wrong with it. if it's doing the thing, then why stop it from doing a thing? Or why let the because government it's
0: vastly insufficient, and they're begging, and it's tenuous, people just stop donating, the whole thing collapses, and people are starving overnight.
1: Right. Like, but if not- the government, if the government decides that, you know, It's not enough. Then the government just starts begging it. Like it doesn't like it doesn't. This is how
0: operations management works based on expectation. When you can reliably expect for an income, you can plan ahead and get cheaper food. You can have cheaper distribution lines. You can have um, like organization. You can't do that when you're hoping for money coming in because you can't sign a contract unless you know you can pay for it. Like you can't say I'm going to schedule five trucks if only two trucks worth of food comes in you have to do everything last minute. And I mean, Manitoba Harvest is big enough they don't, but the only reason why they can't do more with what they already have is because they can't plan ahead. All they can plan is one year.
1: Right, we are assuming that they aren't getting money from the government.
0: No, they are getting money from the government, but it's not guaranteed. And what I'm saying, things like fire safety, police services, and food, access to food, the basic thing humans need to survive. More than police, we need food. That should be a government service. I'm not saying we should be giving them like you know steaks and all but like a bare necessity of food that we create here in our own province or our own country eggs and bread super cheap get it straight from the farm way cheaper than getting donated like cans from a bin at safeway Mm -hmm. like you're paying four supply chains to drop something off at safeway that could have gone straight to the harvest right it's a waste of money and they're doing really well with the money they get But if you had a government run it, you would, it would go at least 30% further, at least just because you're cutting out middlemen and people would have better nutrition. I'm
1: skeptical because the government's really good at making, you know, adding middlemen. Um.
0: Yeah. But you're, you're skeptical based on not actually watching the operations management of supply chains. If, If like companies don't do things well, they do things to the bare minimum they can to make money. Like they'll pack foods full of preservatives and say it's safe because it's just Mm -hmm. barely safe for consumption. They don't do it to help people get food. People aren't selling food like craft and stuff, trying to give people nutrition with craft dinner. That's why it's better to have a government run a program like this, because not only would you get it cheaper and you could plan more effectively for a charity, you'd actually be providing nutrition and that same reliable stability of a supply chain that the farmers also want. Like if Safeway and Loblaws or whatever, stop buying stuff from farmers, the farmers then have an oversupply, which then drops the prices. And then the farmers lose money, which we then subsidize by the government. Right. Why go through that whole chain of subsidies to pay off a company and let them have just-in-time production when you could just plan it directly with the farmers and with Manitoba Harvest? Like, it doesn't mean you gotta take over the organization of Manitoba Harvest. Right. It just means guarantee them some funds so that they can plan effectively. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. It makes okay. sense to have basic needs covered by a government because that's what we do with all our other basic needs.
1: Well, you're essentially describing a grain dole, um, which is, uh, I guess, it's a British, which is common, which <laughs> is a Brit- It's it's like one of um, the Romans always used to riot. If you read Roman history, it comes up so often where you know, like, we're not getting our our grain dole, where it's. Um, just, Soviet history too. Well, no. Um they just didn't no get kidding. it. Yeah. But the a lot of times when you read like um Roman history like one senator won't be providing the grain dole for the city and then Caesar comes in and says, "Well, I'll pay for it." And then, you know, the citizens love him, you know, that kind of thing. But it was an expectation of um of the lower classes of the plebs that the patricians would you know act charitably to them in order to um you know ingratiate themselves to the plebs so this is a pretty common thing they build buildings they'd you know fix roads and say like this road was fixed by you know Tullius fabius maximus and all the plebs would they be like put their name
0: on a park bench or something
1: yeah it would be more um direct though because they wanted to be seen as, you know, providing for the public good. So like most public projects were private projects in Rome. Um, you didn't really get any public projects till uh towards the latter half of the empire, I would say, where you but know that's
0: still active today. We still put yeah. people's okay. names on plaques on park benches if they donate ten thousand dollars to a park.
1: Right. And because they want, you know, they want posterity. We do this in the museum. Uh, when I was working in the museum, um certain rich people would invest in the museum, which would we'd be like, Thank you, thank you. And they'd be like, Well, I want my name on a plaque. So say call this the so-and-so gallery, and we'd be like, sure thing, don't care. And, and I want
0: you to store my valuables for me and provide security and insurance for them, and then I'll let you display them. Like there's all kinds of that, that would
1: actually go against the mandate of the museum. We can't really museums I'm are sure such they a do
0: it a lot in the States.
1: Well, maybe. Um, but
0: they do it in Germany too, with the Guggenheim, and
1: oh yeah, oh well, oh, the, at that prestigious level, then they have money to. In a lot of Canadian museums, the shelf space, uh, like they they can just afford the shelf space they have in the museums. We were playing Tetris in, on some of those shelves. Uh, mm-hmm with a lot of those artifacts. So can you store this? And we'd be like, no, (laughs) where
0: getting back to the charity aspect of it, though, it is a tit for tat sometimes. and I don't Hmm. see a problem with that as long as it's mutually beneficial. Right. And as long as it's not preferential, like one person's choosing to help this guy over this guy.
1: Yeah. Well, you ultimately have to do that. Like, okay. Then if you, if if, if you're going like, I want to help only this race of people, Unless they're like, that's always
0: going to happen when there's one person in charge. Like, you you need a group of people like agreeing on it, and then the group has to be accountable for bad decisions.
1: Yeah, but then I guess comes the trolley problem. Like, you have, um, like, James and Sally come up to you asking for twenty bucks, and you only have twenty bucks uh, to give, and so you're like, "Well, I got this twenty bucks. Everything else is slotted for my bills. I can give this twenty bucks away." And so, like, you say, "Okay." The variables matter here. So you say, like, who do I give it to? Well, you give it to the white person. No, it's racist. No. Um, no, you, well, uh, I give it to, you know, I think women have it harder. So I'm going to give it to Sally. Or I think uh, the guy has it um, harder because he's got, you know, a kid or something that he's taking care of. So I'm going to give him the 20 bucks. Uh, or you could just go any, meeny, any mo. Or you could do like the Gordian knot and just everyone gets 10 bucks but you really do have to make these calculations when you're giving charity which is why like you i think the thing is
0: but you that's can't... when you get down to the marginal utility thing if all three of you sit down and say okay what are your problems what are your problems how does money solve both of those problems let's the three of us decide who should get what
1: yeah well and that's that's often what happens um oh it's not
0: somebody is making that calculation most often
1: yeah and like oh sorry what i'm going to say is like that that equation that i'm saying doesn't really happen but it does happen when you're saying like you know the kids come to the door in in your neighborhood and say hey we want money to buy candy and you're like oh that's cute and then they and you say something like all right shovel my driveway and i'll give you a we have all 10 bucks It's charity kids need money to fool around uh, and kids don't have money, <laughs> but you you're, 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 you, you, you're, you're, it's a quick negotiation, but it's still a negotiation. It's still happening. Like, I don't want to give you money for nothing. The kid's like, yeah, but we want money. And it's like, then you're asking, what do you do for it? And they'll you do that negotiation. If they go, yeah, if they do a bad job, you say you did a bad job. <laughs> but then at the same time, you should, I think what we're arguing both is that we should be making calculations like that and you have to like parse out the variables. You have to do this and it's
0: What I'm suggesting is we're not looking at the calculations often enough though. Yes, yes. We're sort yes, of assuming we know how to do the calculation already and we're all deciding for ourselves just based on our life experience. Most of the time- and I we're... think there's a scientific approach to it. There is a better way that everybody could be doing it
1: right and because most of the time when we donate to charity when we give to charity it's a knee-jerk emotional reaction it's can yeah. because that's what like the same th- way that the uh that the homeless people come up to you and try and ingratiate to themselves that, that thing or like the Hari krishna's <laughs> jerks and then the um uh you know but like
0: or the giants or the stoics like,
1: but then you the, get like a table months. set up in a mall where, you know, they have like, Oh, please donate to this, blah, blah, blah. And people, and then they'll have pictures like world vision, will have pictures of children and they don't want you to think about it. They don't want you to do the calculation. They don't want you to look at their ledgers. They want you to feel and give. That's
0: what pisses me off. It's the marketing of charity and it's you're spending charity dollars on bilking people out of money that they should be giving anyway.
1: Yeah. To me, that's the same as a pushy homeless person on the side of the road. It's oh, the exact it's same.
0: It's calculated. Yeah. They're like psychologists and trained marketing and advertising agents.
1: Yeah. Fuck them. And like if you were saying something like uh like we bring in like a like a career center or something that tries to find jobs for homeless people and they need money to operate which they do and these places are invaluable. Um and they they tell you, you know, we employ this, they do this, we do this. But if they can't say, don't you want someone to have a job, you know, it might work better and then you might get more money. But that also kind of, if you're not showing me your figures, like we, 60% of the people that come in uh, have ongoing employment um, based from this, you know, uh, I guess, headhunting so I don't know what they call them uh, like job finding or career center where you go in you say I need a job and they say well what can you do Uh, and they're like I can hold a shovel and they're like good enough let's see what we got and you know that's a good place and but if you can't provide statistics for how effective that's being then I'm not then I'm going to be hesitant I'm going to be like yeah but people need jobs you know you remember being unemployed you know you you can think about how hard it was for you to be unemployed i'm like yeah that did suck and they they try i don't get what
0: we don't have data for this
1: Oh, they probably do.
0: it's a matter of management people are trying to hide and and you know scalp off the top for themselves
1: well i'm saying that's a good way to find out if, if they're not willing to show you their figures it's a good way to determine whether or not they uh uh are actually scamming people which is why a lot of legislation towards charities is um Forces them to uh, have that kind of data to back it up. Like, how many people are you feeding? Like, are you actually doing what you say you're doing when we give you our money, um, or is it just a scam? Because it's there is a element in a, like it's it's the law knows about this enough, and it's so deep in human uh, interaction that you can cheat. This is a spot for cheating, and so we need to be vigilant about it.
0: And here's two perfect examples of that. If you go to EIA to collect a welfare check, they'll require you to sit in in a seminar for about how to find a job. And they'll force you to come all the way downtown and spend money out of pocket to get there and sit there for three hours. And even if you know it already and you want to go look for work, they'll prevent you from looking for work so that you spend the two days designated and required in their session and seminar. And conversely, OFE, Opportunities for Employment on on Portage and Donald, Mm -hmm what they do is they have like resume help services and internet you know and computers that you can use the internet to look for jobs and stuff like that and they have uh, seminars that they require you to sign up for one one a week or one every two weeks or something like that with like homeworks and upgrade courses so that you learn how to use word processors or how to use email if you don't know how to use a computer they will teach you while they help you look for a job and then as soon as you don't need it you just drop out you walk away like they even offer um like donations you can or accept donations for like suits so that they can give people suits and ties to wear to go to a job oh interview. i've donated
1: i've donated um a suit to a place like that and other clothes yeah. to a place like that
0: yeah and here's an example where you're saying the government's inept though because ofe is not a government program but they're government-sponsored And EIA is a government program directly from taxpayers into these people's pockets. And they're absolutely incompetent with the Mm -hmm. way they manage it. Like completely absurd.
1: Right. So, but like,
0: but the issue is management. All you gotta do is fire somebody who's incompetent at management and hire somebody who's better. Right. Look, we got a job posting in a job center. How hard would it be to find a manager?
1: Well, you're also, (laughs) you're also showing that sometimes like, because the, the other thing about that is that you have an idea well we'll give them training and we'll teach them how to do this and it sounds good like a lot of stuff sounds good when you say it, and this is the problem with. Just truth in general is that you know it's not exactly it's not always exactly evident what's true because, like you have well i've got people in my life, as I say, every other episode who. Their reality is based on that sounds right that sounds about right because.
0: yeah
1: I feel it it's like well how that is supposed to work is like when i say well i didn't like giving money to that homeless person this is not the sensation i was expecting and i have to sit down and logically think as to why my sensation is like that not take the sensation as the um as the uh, as the fact this bad but take the sensation oh that i don't feel like that's right and then that's not the answer that's the inclin- that's the signpost that says take this path down and think around this area because there's something here. So, and a lot of people just go and say, okay, we need to help the poor. Well, how do we help them? Well, what did, what what don't they have? Well, they don't have houses or food. Okay, well, we need to give them food. Okay, so we'll give them food. Everyone, you can't really say like, well, distribution. We'll get someone to distribute. Okay, let's give them a house. That's a little harder. Well, what
0: give? Give them access to one though.
1: Right. Well, I'm not talking about like what would work. I'm talking about like what feels like it would work. Well, we need to give them a house. Well, how do we get a house? We'll we'll build some government housing and we'll, we'll, we'll put them up in it. And then they'll have a shelter. It sounds good. It feels good. It's a lot more complicated than that though. Um, And so, you know, you, you get places building like infill lots and, you know, all these uh, and public housing and it, it seems like it works but then at the same time when it's done in certain ways it really doesn't work like um uh you see something even like then, a
0: lot of people think that those solutions feel wrong they mm-hmm. think that i've had a hard life and i managed to do it so they oh, should yeah. manage to do it themselves and that's where i'm getting at too is our logic is so flawed and we're aware of it so we should all agree that we should take up a scientific method to approach them, mm-hmm. these problems
1: 'Cause I'm definitely all agree on the, our own
0: methods of calculating are personal. They're subjective.
1: Right. My intuition, which is what this is, that feeling is, um, my intuition says, you know, nuts to them. They can't figure it out. They're digging their own grave. None of my business. And that's what like I'm I'm a harsh guy. I've always been a bit of a harsh guy. And I'm aware of that, which is why I can say, Maybe I shouldn't be so harsh. Um, and maybe when i'm saying no is it because i'm being harsh or is it because i actually think this guy's going to stab me um and so i have to weigh that and i have to weigh it against my intuition sometimes because well you know every path is you know fraught with dangers but i think there's a there's a few axioms I actually want to go over before we finish. Two? Two. Shoot. Oh, shoot. Um, I don't know. Which one do you want to go with first? So the first one is the road tells paved with good intentions.
0: I think we covered that already. Yeah. Briefly on that one. What's the other?
1: Uh, teaching a man to fish does more than giving him a fish. And I think this one, because we have a lot of... Charity and when you say it doesn't work, this is often what the argument is, you know, don't give a man a fish, teach him how to fish. And Because you want them to be self-sufficient, We want them to be this, but a lot of times people don't go to charity because they see it as just giving someone a fish. They're just exacerbating the problem. They're just, they see, and sometimes rightly, charity itself as being a problem and being maybe the problem in some, in, in, in some. Uh, in some situations, um, (coughs) now with something like flood relief, you can't exactly, you have to give a man a fish. You can't just teach a man to fish because it's like, well, I should learn that I shouldn't let that much water into my basement.
0: (laughs) Captain obvious.
1: (laughs) So teaching a man to fish there is teaching him to ask for help sandbagging. So, but with something like employment, like a a career center, a career out or a job placement center, that's the word I'm looking for, job placement center.
0: I think they're all synonymous. You did all right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, career center is like where I go when I have no idea what to do with my life.
0: (laughs) They're usually at the same places though. Yeah.
1: And so um, when I'm going to a career center, I'm asking for someone to teach me how to fish i'm looking for that but i'm i'm sorted and that's the thing is that not everyone a lot of people that are the recipients of these aren't exactly um a lot of them have no well, it's easy i guess what i'm saying is easy for me to say because like i've got um, all my ducks in a row My 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 mental faculties are, you know, I don't have any, um, glaring, uh, psychological imperfections,
0: nothing glaring, though.
1: (laughs) nothing glaring. I've got a few, I'm a bit of an oddball. Um, if you've ever met me in real life, but like a lot of people have aspects to them that are somewhat insurmountable or at least, you know, treatable with difficulty. And then you get like, um, there's a lot of uh um deep psychological issues and uh stuff like addiction is happening and that makes it a lot harder and so you know you can teach a man say teaching a man to fish when you say, you teach a man to fish where you say you know uh stop doing drugs so the guy's like oh i never thought about that <laughs> i'll stop immediately wow thank you <gasps> <laughs> it's and so like this is not what everyone expects you know and he, when somebody says something like well just you know you get a school teachers will saying Let's just say no to drugs and everyone and the, everyone is most people are smart enough to hear that and just go like <sighs> Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, and everyone in grade school knows that that's stupid and that the teachers be just being told that that's what they have to teach.
0: To me that was like, there's drugs out there. Sweet. <laughs> like they're just telling me as a kid that there's a way that you can spend money and guaranteed to make yourself smile and happy. I was like, Whoa, dope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah. And
0: it's one, one thing I want to point out though, with, um, just to, um, piggyback off of what you were saying there. Yeah. Is I think that people that think that it, it exacerbates the issue don't understand the direness of the consequences of neglect. Mm-hmm. So it's easy enough to say that if somebody needs food every single day, that they should learn how to provide food for themselves. But that doesn't change the fact that they can't learn anything without food in their gut. Like mm-hmm. you have to feed them while you teach them, you can't yeah. do one or the other. And this is that binary thinking that's really typical of, uh, OCD or anxiety disorders or bipolarity or things like that. But it's like, we have a collective social bipolarity in this sense yeah. where we think things only go one side or the other, and there's no gray area in between.
1: Yeah. It helps that to me you... is
0: what's insane about the, the, the mentality of it.
1: Well, I remember, that's well, kind of weird. Cause I went through university half starving and my grades would have been a lot better had i not been half starving but at the same time if i would have looking back now i don't think i'd want to do it the other way because this one made me have more character from it i guess would be i i learned a lot more from it than i would have had i been handed everything on a golden spoon and i think
0: but that's the bipolarity i'm talking about you think there's either a golden spoon or a struggling starving hungry? there's a gray area in between what's oh, wrong yeah. with having food that just doesn't taste good but at least you're fed
1: well that's what at it least was.
0: you have bread and eggs yeah how, how wonderful would it be to eat bread and eggs every day not so much but it's better than being hungry and studying
1: but i don't think what i was saying was bipolarity because you know the bipolarity is you know when you're thinking of black and white it's like you think you either want to have food or don't. But it's what I was saying is that it's when I look back on it, it's a lot more complicated than I would have thought. And like, I actually probably wouldn't want to give up that suffering, looking back on my own life. But at the same time, I think I was already in a place where I was able to do that. And I was able to I had the capacity to get through that. Well, I know that in hindsight, you know, thanks hindsight. You're the greatest, but um <laughs> sure didn't feel like it some days, but there are some, we have to realize that there are some out there that um, aren't in a place where they are capable of, um, I guess, bettering themselves at that point in time. And so, you know, with regard to charity, charity, would be nice to be able to bring people to, a, I guess, teaching a person a fish wouldn't be so, so much like, well, you need to learn how to wear a suit and do taxes and this and that. And like, eh, no, you got to start with basic things. You got to get them to a place where they can increase their own capacity, um, and charity brings them to that. I would say, um, well, it well, can. can it can? Well, it's a thing. It's can, or it should be at least the goal that of charity. Should be the goal, yeah. yeah to not bring them to like you know wearing a suit and like you hear the success stories like I used to be homeless and now I wear a suit look at my suit I look so good in a suit it's just like you know what good for him (laughs) but it's nice to know that you know one in a thousand gets out of it or something like that's like two in a thousand that's that's even better three in a thousand ten in a thousand even if we can save a couple and I think the other side of that is that no matter how hard we try, we're going to lose them, a lot of people. But without trying to help them, we failed. But I don't think that we should think that we could save everybody. Just
0: I don't think it's about saving people, though. It's not that somebody without fish doesn't want to know how to fish. Mm-hmm. Nobody's who's hungry thinks to themselves, I'd rather not know how to provide food for myself. Nobody thinks that.
1: Mm.
0: Like this is what I don't like about the, and I'm not saying your argument. I'm saying the argument, pervasive argument of the whole charity thing. It's not about either teaching somebody or giving them a fish. It is about both, as you say. Mm. But it's not just about food. It's the same with about accessibility to goods that get you education. Right. So, like in my case, I was I had um, I was lucky enough to have uh good parents right not everybody has parents as as generous as mine but we didn't have a lot of stuff so it's not like they could just give me a car and give me new clothes and give me you know what i mean so like when i wanted a computer so that i could study after school in my own free time to learn a job that i could do on my own after i got out of school Mm -hmm. i went to work at like mcdonald's overnight and i did work and school and bought myself a computer so I could keep working and keep going to school and keep studying on the side. I'm not saying that that suffering and that hard work should be negated to make it easier on me, but it needs to be possible. It needs to be at least accessible for a kid who wanted it as bad as I did to be able to do it. And that's simply not the case with parents who aren't willing. Oh, you're working now. You're not allowed to keep your own money. You have to pay rent and stuff. My mom was different. She was like, well, you're spending your money on things that are going to benefit you in the long term. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with you not paying rent until you start wasting your money. Yeah. but That's because I had a sensible mother. And if a kid's born into a family where they don't have the same option, even if they have the exact same acuity and and drive as I did, they still wouldn't have had the opportunity as I had. No matter what effort they put into, they just would not have been physically able to do it paying rent and going to school and studying on the side. So what I really wanna like just articulate here is that um, recognizing the fact that giving somebody a fish is enough to get them towards teaching them how to fish. It's not mutually exclusive one or the other. You have to do both in almost every case. Right. You can't just give people houses and say, now you have a house, cause they'll blow it up. You know, they'll just right. all over it, they'll let it fall apart. And we have evidence of this all over our city. When you give people stuff for free, they don't take care of it. Yeah. But if you give somebody something and tell them they have to work and look after the house and do this, and you only get it if you put in that much effort, then yeah, the house is gonna be well looked after, they're gonna earn some industriousness of strength of character, they're gonna feel pride of ownership, and they're gonna have an accessible option to towards well, a Well, and I uh, think the underlying they thing- they wouldn't have had it before.
1: The underlying thing that they're getting and that you want to bring people to, I think the thing is dignity because, um, a lot of what you get from having a job, having independence, having all this is dignity and you want to bring people to a place where they have that individual dignity, you know, where you're not just some bum, you're, you know, some Steve from the the street instead. And when, you know, now you have a name now you have this and it's, it's, it's a life with dignity that we want to give people, and I think that's it. Because when you have a when you're given a house, that's like if someone just like if I'm if I'm a bum or something, and a homeless person
0: experiencing uh, homelessness. If, if I'm
1: experiencing homelessness and someone gives me a house, um, I might act without regard to my own you know welfare. Uh, I'll tell them to shove that house where they talk, took it. Um,
0: oh, I'd take it straight up I'd be yeah, like, Thank you.
1: <laughs> but, you, but know, I'd w- look after it, but, but you're coming just... at it from like dignity is something that comes from inside out, like you can't just give someone like give someone a sports car or you can't just put i don't know it's like a like a high school kid and you put them in a suit and they can't wear it properly <laughs> it does. it doesn't you can't just the suit doesn't make the man the man makes the suit, but it's same with like house. When you even at the bottom where they're earning enough or they're they're putting forth effort enough to be able to. earn that charity it seems a weird way of putting it, but to get that house, the way you said, uh, instead of just being given it and they have that dignity and if that dignity has an effect on them that will kind of radiate better surrounding because there is they're not abasing themselves at that point. And I think that the two way jeez, ah, geez, the two-way um street creates that dignity. Uh, sorry, I don't know what that was.
0: <laughs> age. Um,
1: yeah, age. This is what good at getting old looks like, guys. And I
0: think that's what I mean by teaching somebody to fish and feeding them at the same time is mm-hmm. teaching them dignity. Because that is a trainable thing. You don't, eat, not everybody can be trained to be great lawyers or accountants, right? Cause that takes a certain type of, um, interest, no. Well, that's but everybody can learn to have self pride and hygiene and cook for themselves. You don't have to be the best cook in the world to learn how to cook. It's just heat. You just put food in heat and that's it.
1: Yeah. There's a few simple things that seem simple. And when somebody doesn't know them, you're like, no, no, just saute. And they're like, what the heck is saute? This is Jordan, You're like,
0: this is Chris, like, I knew <laughs> nothing about cooking for the longest time. I didn't start cooking till I was like 20.
1: Yeah. And so, like you, you have to like, there's a lot of things also that we don't know that people don't know. <laughs> um, I'm teaching student like uh, children history and like some of the things that they don't understand are just, um, you just blow me away, not in like the fact that how come you don't know this? It's like, Oh I never expected that you didn't know this like yeah. and so I have to teach that um a lot of times with Christian concepts a lot it's weird oh, who's Jesus? I'm like, really do I have to teach Jesus?
0: <laughs> oh the irony
1: <laughs> it it is weird um so
0: but kudos to you for doing it because it's important
1: oh I'm not doing it at charity they're paying me.
0: No, but, but it's important that you can choose not to teach them stuff or to tell them like, oh, don't worry about it. You don't need to. But you don't. You teach them stuff because it's important to know stuff, mm-hmm. not because that knowing about that is going to get them a job. Right. It's knowing about that is going to make them socialized creatures.
1: Well, with that, it's like, I'll teach them more so that their character improves and then they can get any job instead of just like, I'm teaching you so you can get this job.
0: But also just so that yeah. they don't grow up completely ignorant of like 1.3 billion people's life Ambitions. Yeah. <laughs> it's important to not be ignorant, even if it doesn't make you money. That's what education is. It's not mm. just about making money. But so it's another dead horse, I think.
1: Yeah. So I think we're coming up on I think we've exhausted the topic a bit. I think we yeah, we even... didn't
0: even get into scandal and corruption, so maybe we'll have to have another episode on that.
1: Well, I think we've covered um I think we've covered corruption a bit in uh like Other episodes because i do remember getting into um what do you call it i do remember getting into cancer society and um uh i'm
0: not sure what episodes those were yeah
1: i can't remember either but it's
0: probably the awareness episode raising awareness just yes
1: that was it awareness was the one yeah (laughs) that one was a bit of a rant
0: yeah Uh, a little bit (laughs) but god that pisses me off
1: (laughs) but i think Oh, yeah, we got we were both riled up for that one. But I think the takeaways from this
0: every time
1: I knew it, I called it, I said it before I did I say it? Yes, I did. I said it right before we started. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the takeaways from this is that charity is not just not always what it seems and that you shouldn't be. um, It's a lot more complicated than just giving someone something. And you have to really think about all the variables involved and every act of charity itself is going to be a different calculation, like every single act of charity is a different calculation. Um, And honestly, I think it has to be ultimately up to you, the individual, whether or not you're going to engage in charity. Um, So. What a. And I don't think. I don't know. I, I don't think we came up with a scenario either where there isn't some sort of reciprocity. Um, you give money away. Well, why? Cause it makes me feel good. Oh, okay. <laughs> or, and I don't think that we should be
0: looking too. We shouldn't feel guilty or shameful about feeling good about being charitable, right? But we should feel guilty and shameful about broadcasting our charity.
1: Right. And I think that's an I think that's where the corruption lies. Cuz I did bring up corruption when I see something someone using charity for their own ends or using charity uh out of it. But even sometimes like people that are don't you know like charity charity files or people that exhaust themselves in order to um yeah, that's it. So you have like people who are cheating the system in order to Benefit off of it—that's that's that's one form of unhealthy charity. That's the corruption. But I think the other corruption is where it destroys you in the in the act of the charity itself. And I think putting someone else in a position where they're in need of charity to have the charity is not an act of charity. I think that's an act of destruction. I think that would be a corruption of it. Um, But I think that's more of a psychological issue of the person. Being charitable but um
0: yeah and i think i would just say that um the calculations themselves are mm. intrinsically subjective even if we all individually believe that we're right that's obviously why we do the things we do is because we feel or think that our calculation towards what's worthy cause and what's not or how much or whatever mm-hmm. we all believe in what we're doing obviously but we have to also acknowledge the fact that we're all at least somewhat wrong. There's no way any one human being has figured out the perfect charity case.
1: Well, and that's where the diversity that we and, keep talking about comes in, because we're all going to find something that, where it needs to go. We're all going to have a different perspective on what needs to be done.
0: Yeah, and that's actually important. But it's also important to notice it and recognize that we're not right. So telling other people to do it like us mm-hmm. isn't right. We're telling other people how we do it just so that they hopefully think about it differently, not so that they do what we say, but so that they think about their own charity charity and benevolence in a scientific way or um, an aware way. Um, The the other thing I wanted to note was just on the size of a charity doesn't gauge how useful or worthwhile it is. Every little charity is worthwhile, even if it's $2 and somebody spends it on a a beer instead of a bus fare, that is not your, your. business, you might not want it going there and you might not give them another $2 next time, Mm. that's fine. But you've still improved somebody's day for $2 that you wouldn't have noticed otherwise $2 that you could have afforded went towards making somebody smile who has a hard time smiling. Um, A phone call or a chat or a conversation that drives you insane, because you have to sit and listen to somebody that you don't want to listen to maybe if they're really, really lonely, that means the world to them. So go call your grandparents the people out there who have elderly family members right and i think
1: it's- you're hitting on something great here because the act of giving is the thing you're doing you're not doing the spending or even if you call your grandparents the act of giving your time if they decide to swear at you and call you like a bunch of expletives that's on yeah. them it's like well i did my charity and it doesn't feel good because you know it didn't get used properly but you know, you are giving them an opportunity, you're providing them, regardless of what charitable action it is, you're providing someone with uh, opportunity of a sort, because money right. and time are opportunity. And it's a arguing- proof
0: of compassion. Right. The gesture itself is showing somebody that you care, even if they don't know how to respond.
1: Right. And yeah. But like, I- don't
0: exhaust yourself for it. If they're gonna abuse you and you can't take the, the abuse, cut it back. Like it's not worth your own destruction. Mm-hmm. But if you can handle it, it's the best gift you can give somebody like that, because nobody wants to talk to them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think... And then other oh. than that, my only last final point to that would be um, find a cause that you, you believe in and you can trust, and then it's easier. You don't have to like micromanage or follow every every dime that they spend. If you find a charity like Manitoba Harvest, who does really well year on year, um, they never skim off the top or steal or, you know, they're constantly helping people find a charity like that. And then it doesn't have to be like this big, heavy overload where you, over, you always have to like keep tabs on them and what they're doing. Yeah. Because nobody has time for that, like, honestly. No. And that's not the point of charity either, to micromanage how people are spending your donations. Like, you should just be donating because other people have the time and resources to manage it. Like that's the point of an organized charity.
1: Cool. Yeah. Um. I think that said, I've said my piece.
0: Yeah, me too. As much um, as my voice will allow, anyway.
1: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll let it sit for a week uh, until we record next. So. Uh,
0: Links in the description. You've been listening to Christopher Driver, myself, and Jordan Roy. Yeah. The fantastic duo. If
1: you guys are still listening, uh comment section be a great place to tell where uh charities that you find uh beneficial would be so people can find them so
0: advertise charities that deserve it
1: yeah and uh yeah we'll see you guys next week
0: much love peace out